Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson, live from Washington, D.C., at the open house of the Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Well, we have a special treat here in our nation's capital. Normally, we have our friends from R Street joining us over the phone, long distance to Utah. But since we are in Washington today, uh, really excited to have Shoshana Weissman, Jonathan Bidlack joining us from our uh, friends at R Street. Uh, welcome to both of you. Thank you for having Yeah, thanks. Uh, it's great as we continue to broadcast from the temple, the open house of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, the two of you had the opportunity to go on a tour today. And Shoshana, let me start with you. Give us just a little sense of of your experience yeah i think people were saying that they expected for there to be like a big church room inside and i was surprised by all the little rooms but also the depth of the architecture like the way the um that the that the um stained glass was more transparent at the top than at the bottom like all that down to like even the kind of crystals used in different chandeliers it's really really thoughtful so many more levels than i would have expected yeah jonathan how about you yeah no i think it's great i mean i've seen it from outside obviously driving on the beltway <laughs> so many times so it was cool to be uh, to be inside, I think, and yeah, the, the architecture inside is just as nice as outside. So it was a it was a cool experience. Yeah, awesome. It's uh, it's been an interesting thing. Obviously, it's been a landmark here, Jonathan. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of people see that going past. Sometimes you go past it really slowly <laughs> when the traffic's yeah. bad. Uh, but many people are looking at what is that inside uh, component to it. Uh, and uh, Shoshana, from your perspective, uh, being Jewish, uh, give us just some of the, the the connection points there for you. It's funny, nothing similar. We both have stained glass, but I feel like every religion has stained glass, but it's funny because it's organized so differently. Um, the the meaning put into different things is so different, but it's, I love learning about different religions, yeah. so it's fun for me, but it, it's organized so much differently. Um, I mean, the uh, the intensity of it and the wanting to apply religion to life, I, I always love that part of religion and how much yeah. that was stressed here, too. Yeah. But um, overall, everything else is different. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and I'm, I'm Catholic, and I think that there's that element of tradition that you see, right, that's shared, I think, between the two faiths, so that was kind of interesting to see the, the different differences and similarities in that regard. Yeah, this has been a really fascinating week uh, to see so many come through from so many different countries, so many different faith traditions, uh, and to see common ground and and learn things that were very different. Uh, I think one of the things that I've been looking at is, you know, help me understand you know this part of, of your faith or your faith. And, and so those conversations are, are great. Uh, and to me, it's, it's really the model in terms of what should be happening in our nation's capital uh, in terms of bringing people together and saying, okay, here's the principle, here's a policy, uh, and here's a way we can actually, you know, make that thing a reality. Uh, so let's jump into to your world now in terms of those policies and things. Uh, just give us a quick update, Shoshana, what's uh, on your horizon? 
what are you watching as Congress comes back into session? Yeah, so now everyone is mad differently at Section 230. Now everyone thinks Elon Musk implies Section 230. It's still not how it works, but people think that. So I have to yell at different people and talk to different people about different things. But I have a feeling you might see some conservatives come around to it because, of course, they don't want Elon Musk to be liable for some random guy's tweet, as he shouldn't be, nor should whoever owns it before, who owns it next. It's, it's all the same. I'm just yelling at different people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, John? What's yeah, I've been thinking a lot about inflation, obviously, for the last uh, last few months or really close to the last year now. And I think it's been interesting in the last couple of weeks. I've noticed that, you know, that old term of stagflation is sort of starting mm-hmm. to creep again into the public lexicon maybe for the first time since uh, the 1970s or so. And so I think there's this interesting discussion going on about how policymakers should respond to the economic hardship that we're facing, but maybe not go so far to end up causing a recession or sort of instigating a recession in the next year. So we're kind of at a very, um, just a very interesting spot economically, I think, right now. Yeah, and as you look at that, Jonathan, uh, obviously with uh, Congress coming back in session, it seems like we're on to build back better, 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 three, <laughs> three, three 3.0, something or another. Uh, how is the inflation numbers that you're watching so closely, how, how is that going to impact uh, the president's desire to push this one more round and, and what does it mean to members of Congress, especially as we get closer into those tight midterm races? How, how is that playing out? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it's really the, I think, the, the election question right now, right? If you look at President Biden's speech a year ago, his first speech for Congress, you know, he didn't mention inflation at all, right? right. And, and you did have some people like Senator Manchin, for example, who have been talking about this for a long time and I think have been vindicated. Um, when you look at the, the Biden budget that was rolled out a couple weeks ago, there was a lot of talk now about deficits. And I think there's this increasing acknowledgement that um, inflation, which was initially seen as transitory, is kind of here to stay, at least for the time being. And so, um, you know, so far, I, I, unfortunately, I don't know that we've seen a whole lot of um, different actions by policymakers. But I think that uh, as we get closer to election time, I think that, you know, Democrats in particular are really going to have to think hard about this because, uh, you know, their window for sort of changing the economic reality is quickly you know, getting smaller. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And Shoshana, as, as you you mentioned different people that you get to yell at. <laughs> uh, it's so fascinating to me how that happens, how, you know, the, the Republicans are screaming at this and then suddenly it's the same issue in slightly different contexts and suddenly it's the Democrats screaming about it. Uh, what else people screaming about that we should actually just come together on? I mean, I would love for people to come together and appreciate Section 230. I know it's a dream, but both both sides kind of want their control over how things are run or how things aren't run, and that's not healthy. Government shouldn't be trying to control these companies that are moderating speech. They should be encouraging new companies to start up, and you can't do that if you have Section 230 and new companies are going to be sued for everything on their platform. Google right. has big lawyers. Uh, Twitter has fewer, but still big lawyers. All the top tech companies do, but newer ones don't, and I don't want to make it so that they can't start up and create something that people like more. But when you have both sides saying, man, I want to control it and I don't like when someone else is in control, it's time to kind of rethink that and hopefully yeah. maybe come together to appreciate. Let's not make everyone liable for everyone else's stuff. Yeah, and that's, uh, I'm glad you raised this point with the, with the big guns because they uh, they always whine and scream about the regulatory things, but in some ways it does protect them because they can afford an army of lawyers and lobbyists uh, to go at it and, and how do we deal with that component? Because it seems to me that that's where we really stifle the innovation, the creativity, the entrepreneurial spirit in the country. Yeah, regulatory uh, liability and other even tax costs are all things we have to think about when we change law. And too often people think, oh, well, you get rid of this and everything's 
perfect. It's like, no, you got rid of this or you add this. And now there's teams and teams of lawyers. <laughs> and if you can't afford those lawyers, you're out of luck. There's other problems there, too, with even uh, lawyer licensing systems that don't allow mm. us to create the lawyers we need. They um, they have to cost more because they have to pay more for schooling. So even licensing reform plays in here, as it always does. <laughs> but, um, but from all the side, you want to be able to have someone just start a new thing and not be afraid he's going to be sued for random people's stuff and that he's not going to have to pay all these costs. Yeah, fascinating. Jonathan, what's something on the horizon as it relates to inflation or to the economy in general? Uh, what's something that we're not talking about that we ought to be talking about as we move forward? Yeah, well, I think, you know, everyone's been really focused on, on Biden, 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 and I understand that he's the president. Um, but I think there's also this question on what is the Federal Reserve going to do? I mean, for a long time, monetary policy and fiscal policy have sort of been working side by side. I mean, if you think about the last couple of years in the pandemic, um, you know, we basically had really easy monetary policy and we had really expansive fiscal policy as a way of responding to the pandemic. Now that we're coming out of it and we're having these problems, I think there's perhaps starting to be a little bit more uh, of a conversation about what the Federal Reserve, you know, is doing and should do. Um, and the other component here, you know, to, to, to think about is that, you know, the United States does not operate in a vacuum anymore. I mean, we're not, you know, this isn't the 1950s where we've kind of got regions or sort of a, you know, autarky in yeah. a sense. I mean, you know, there's a, a lot of the response to inflation, uh, which is largely becoming a worldwide phenomenon, uh, is going to depend on what other central banks do and sort of the coordination between central bankers and, and you know, politicians and sort of in, uh, uh, coordinating their fiscal policy as well. So um, this is a problem, I think, that sometimes the, the genie gets out of the bottle and then, you know, it's not just enough to say, well, you know, Joe Biden's going to solve all these problems or, or even that the, the Federal Reserve is going to be able to yeah. go and, and put that genie back in the bottle. And so uh, it will be interesting to see how things like Ukraine, for example, yeah. um, have an impact on, on the, the inflationary picture over the course of the next few months and, and year. Yeah, fantastic. Shoshana Weissman and Jonathan Bidlack, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be in your town <laughs> for a change, and we appreciate you coming out here and uh, exploring the Washington, D.C. Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ. Great to have you here today, and uh, we'll have you in Utah next time. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Sounds great. So many things happening out here in Washington, D.C. this week. It's a great mix of, of policy. Uh, there's so much in terms of the diplomatic core that uh, has been coming in and out. Uh, and we'll, of course, continue our coverage here from our nation's capital. And a uh, big thanks to Shoshana Weissman and Jonathan Bidlack, who always help us break down the numbers, the specifics, the policy pieces uh, in such an intelligent, smart, smart way. Uh, I just love that uh, about what happens at R Street Institute and uh, how they go about things. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour news. Coming up, Congressman Chris Stewart's going to join us. He also toured the temple, led a group of lawmakers through the temple yesterday. He joins us coming up next to talk about his experience. Much more to come from special broadcasting from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., right here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.